Well, welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and I'm excited this week to bring you another special guest. And this guest has broken the record for miles traveled coming to the studio. Um, In the past, we've had guys from here in the United States or ladies from here in the United States. But this week, I have a friend of mine all the way from Nazareth. Uh, He was our guide in the Holy Land last year. He's much more than a guide. He's a very good friend of my life. He was a blessing to my life then, and he continues to be now. Uh, He is the best guide in the Holy Land. If you don't believe me, then stop watching the show because you should believe what I say because you're watching it. Um, But but he's one of my close friends. Uh, He's here this week in Memphis visiting with us, sharing about the Holy Land, where he's from, and and what's... uh, you know, why people should go to the Holy Land, why it's important in their lives and all of that, why we should go and walk in the footsteps of Jesus. So he gave a talk today, and he's been traveling all over the United States. Uh, I think he's been to New Jersey and Austin. He's going to go to Florida, Louisiana, and all over the place. So hopefully we'll come near you, and you'll get a chance to meet him yourself. But without further ado, I am glad to welcome my friend and guide for Select International Travel, Honey. Yeah, it's really good to be here in Memphis. I love the place. I love... Uh having you finally to meet after six months after our last tour. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited, actually. I was first, it, it's really good place to start the year, mm-hmm. especially with the big mass of Sikh. I was at Sikh in St. Louis and then, yeah, I'm traveling and uh, we are sharing Christ with a lot of people. Yeah. And now we are here together to talk about Christ. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's going to be exciting. I, I had him tricked. I told him I was going to put him at the Motel 6. Wow. And uh, <laughs> instead, he stayed at our house. So uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun, man. But yeah, you were, you were just at Sikh. What's that like? Like, so you're, you're from Nazareth, you mm-hmm. know, not the biggest place in the world, um, in the Holy Land, which is the size of New Jersey, as you said early, earlier. Uh, the, uh, not the Holy Land, but Israel. And yeah, altogether, yeah, yeah. Um, what's it like to go to an event full of Catholics that you what twenty four thousand people? What was I, that like for they you? They were all youth, mainly they are youth. Like it yeah. was so inspiring. Uh, I love the idea about how effort they put for Christ. Yeah, like all this happened just for Christ. This is how we love the Lord. Um, I was thinking. A lot of things. One of the things is my first mass in this year was with Sikh. It was 20,000 people. Yeah. It's my biggest mass I ever attended. Yeah. It was so inspiring. I, I would love to see all the Christians in the Holy Land doing that. Yeah. I would love also to see um, um, just the youth. The youth is they are inspiring. They are coming back to the Lord. And especially in these challenging times, we have we have to have a lot of passion to drive them back to to Jesus, to God. There are so many challenges, so many things uh, that will drive them away, but we, we need to keep that spirit uh, living on. And um, the speech uh, that was made, uh, all, all of the people who talked, um, like Father Mike Schmitz, uh, Edward Sree, and, and more and more people that were there. I was thinking, you know, Father Mike Schmitz is very 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 famous yeah and uh, everybody everybody loves him um every time he was like walking he would be having uh these guys to stop people security guards yeah yeah, from like coming all over him so he would walk uh the the hallway and then they will somebody would notice and say like father mike schmitz is here then like these 300 people would be uh, going (laughs) after him but i was thinking differently i was thinking how was it with Christ? Yeah. Like, like, okay, we are listening uh, to Father Mike Schmidt speaking to these 
uh, speeches and it's really, really uh, nice giving us and teaching us. But then how powerful was it to listen to Jesus in real life when he was here? Like, I'm no wonder like people were following him uh, when we talk about, for example, feeding the crowds, mm-hmm. 5,000 men, but there would be more like 10,000, 15,000. With women and children. And yeah. are all following him. It, it must be like he would be the teacher and he is the teacher and everybody wants to follow him to so i just try to a little bit imagine what will it be compared to what we have in our life but how it was two thousand years ago with jesus standing in front of you how will you react that that was like the biggest question i had in my mind yeah uh, with all of the emotions um the faith uh everything that involves his teachings and and you just don't want to lose any split a second looking at Jesus and like you want it all and yeah that that would be great like I was thinking about it yeah it's funny you say that because when I went uh, the year before last and he was there they were having to run him through there on a golf cart and people were running after him and and I kept thinking I thought the exact same thing I said this must be what Jesus like the closest thing to what Jesus must have felt yeah. like with people just pressing in and and uh, that's what's so funny when he says, like, who touched me, right? Like, yeah, 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 how do you exactly. know? Like, everybody's touching yes. you, you know? It's it's just funny about that. But, yeah, it's, you know, Father Mike's done a lot for the church, and he'll continue to do a lot for the church. He's a gift, and, and uh, it takes a great amount of humility, I mean, as it must have for Christ, too, to— you know, to have that many people following and everything. But you were there with Select Travel, right? That's, yes. you know, the travel yes, agency yes. we both go with. And yeah. So they had a booth, Matt, and everybody was there. Oh, and yeah, we were standing 8 <clears throat> till 11 about every day. Yeah, and just telling people about pilgrimage. About pilgrimage, about what it is to become a pilgrim. Yeah. What does it mean? Uh, why should you uh, come to the Holy Land in the first place? Uh, so uh, I remember there was um, uh, that... Uh, um, guy, I think he just finished high school, and he was, yeah. Why, why should I come with you guys? Like, give me a reason. Yeah. So, well, the first thing popped in my mind. I say, like, would you like to walk on water? <laughs> and I was, are you kidding me? I said, like, no, actually, I'm truly, honestly, I'm asking you, would you like to walk on water? He said, like, how come? I said, do you know somebody that walked on water? He said, Jesus, Sea of Galilee. Okay, somebody else. Then he said, Peter, I said, where he was before he started walking water, he started inside the boat. And uh, of course, there's the 11 that stayed in that boat, but Peter was the only one who stepped out of this comfort zone of his. Because the boat is safe, you know, when you are in water. Yeah. Uh, so he stepped out and he looked at Jesus, started following Jesus. He was focusing at Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, go back. He didn't... Uh, say it's dangerous for you he actually encouraged him like yes come to me yeah and then we know that the wind blowed he lost focus we don't want to lose that focus but if we did jesus was there he grabbed him so that boat i told him for you it's the united states Mm. and jesus is in the holy land and you have to leave that boat to get to jesus Mm -hmm. and he was like wow (laughs) just yeah this is uh it just came to me, you know, as, as I was yeah, talking. Holy so Spirit. it stuck in yeah. my mind as, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's it's really good to start with the youth. So he said, like, I don't have money now. I said, it's not a problem. Money is not a problem. You can save today. And then after, like, 12 months, 
one year, two years, you will eventually have the money. Just put a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you have to come during your lifetime. You have to see the fifth gospel to see where Jesus um, performed miracles, where he lived, uh, what he saw. It's completely different than just reading scriptures and being. It's it's more um, bringing your faith in 3D mode. Like you, you just, you'll be there, you'll be standing there and you'll be looking at the place, standing at stones that are from the Roman time. Mm. 2,000 years ago, Jesus might have been stepping there. A lot of things that, that would involve uh, Jesus Christ and his ministry here on earth. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, I remember when we were there and we first went to Galilee and we were staying at Magdala right there on the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, in Scripture when Jesus, um, he gave the Bread of Life Discourse, and then, you know, it says he went across the sea and they ran around the sea. Well, in Scripture, I always think, like, how do you run around a sea? Like, how do you run around an ocean, you know? And, yeah. But over there, a sea is a lake, right? So yes. you don't, I mean, I probably sound like an idiot now thinking that. But, like, but when you get over there, you look, you're like, oh, I get it. Like, it's 15 miles. Somebody basically ran 15 miles to the other yeah. side and, and met him over there. Yep. But it's little things like that. That sounds, like, trivial. But until you're there, you don't know. You're just reading something and, okay, I don't know how they did that, but I'll move on. But now you look and you can see it. You feel it. You touch it. I remember Angela one day, she put her bathing suit on. I was like, where are you going? And she goes, I'm going to swim in the Sea of Galilee. And I thought, really? And she goes, yeah. She went out there and swam. And, you know, you just look at it and go, this is where Jesus lived. He breathed. He walked. He, His ministry was, most of his ministry was done right there. Yes, two-thirds. Yeah. And... And it's just, it's incredible. I mean, so, and, and the thing I loved about you is, you know, I've heard people that go and they say the, the gods are very university types and very, okay, no, no talking. And this is, you know, this is the way it goes. But with you, you encourage the relationships. You encourage people to talk to one another about their experiences. And when you spoke about all these places, you know, I could tell, like, this matters to him. Because, you know, in any job, you do the same thing over and over again, right? No matter what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can get used to something. And you can you can lose the, the fire, the passion you have for it. Um, it can become just something you do. I checked the box from 8 to 5. But I never felt that with you. Like, when we were on the trip, I kept thinking, like, this feels like this is the first time he's ever done this. Not knowledge-wise. Like, not he doesn't know what he's talking about. Not that. Because you obviously did. But like the joy and the passion, like he wants to be here and he loves this. And so like that's a place to start, I think, is how did you know, like was there a day you woke up and you just said like, I want to be a tour guide or like how did all that start? Oh, it's a long story. We have time. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually like, you know, the purpose of your life. Yeah. Not when you are going through it, but after getting to a certain point and then you look back. And you start like connecting events that happened with you personally. And then like only you you know about it. Uh, so one of the things that I think it started there as I was in my, you know, like as a kid, we were racing, me and my sister. Uh, we were um, uh, coming back from uh, the rosary prayer. It was during May. And I fell, I fell down. I uh, stumbled, it was construction year, waste. I fell on a metal and uh, I had uh, a cut in my leg. It was very deep. I was in my neighborhood. Nobody was helping. 
they were looking and they will just continue their way yeah it's just a boy crying maybe um nobody helped nobody cared about asking but then an old man showed up white hair blue eyes he spoke english i didn't speak english back then i was just telling him he came and like wrapped my leg and showing him by signs where he should go so we went to my grandfather's house and from there to the hospital and i have like 11 stitches i never seen him again growing up at school my classmate was talking about his uncle in such a passionate way like yeah he works with people pilgrims from all over the world and like what does he work he said he's a tour guide i said okay yeah maybe i want to be a tour guide because this love for pilgrims the first pilgrim i met in my life he was the one who helped me mm. so it left a seed inside of my heart like yeah i want to say thank you but i couldn't i never seen him again um i remember his face like it was yesterday um i always pray for him i i think he already passed away because he's he was very old um uh, but at that point yeah i i wanted to be a tour guide so mm-hmm. it came from passion and i love sharing christ i grew up an altar boy i still do it in my church uh like every sunday when there is no work i'll go there i'll help we have also our sunday school so i help with that guide them uh, spiritually and guide them in the whole land uh so i love i love everything about sharing christ it's, it's my passion if you can say a hobby is just for me to connect the old testament with the new testament i'll be really happy <laughs> when I, when i find these new connections and understand more because i think you know people would have questions and they would have some doubts um i think if you have question you go dig more you go and you will see the connections and in the connections old and new testament you'll get your answer and then you'll say yeah actually our faith is really based on logic mm-hmm. like it's it's real yeah that's incredible i mean that's i was expecting you to say like oh i had a uncle or a father that did it and i got in the family business I, you had this amazing story that you just told us yeah, I'm that's the awesome. first in my family actually yeah yeah, yeah. And the, and you're so good at it. I mean, the joy just. I mean, like I said, it just it comes out of you as you're talking about these things, which it, it that's what allows you to know that somebody's passionate about what they do when they can do the same thing again and again and again. But it's always like the first time. You know, you're from Nazareth. What's that like? Like being from the town of Jesus, where Jesus was, what lived most of his hidden life. Like what's what's that like for you? Yeah, I guess I'm very blessed, very lucky. Yeah. Cause not everyone can be called Nazarene, I guess. Yeah, I love that part. Yeah, but Nazarene. So two things um, good came from Nazareth, right? Uh, you and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, and there are more Nazarenes. Sure, yeah. Uh, so they are all good. Um, yeah, well, in my childhood, it's good to know, like, as every child, like, if we don't know about history and archaeology. You will never make this connection. I only mm. understood literally understood that I'm in Nazareth when I grew up. I mm. said like, wow, we are we are really so lucky to be here and to to see what Jesus saw and you know one of my favorite places is the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. Because there you can see the lake and you see the Golan Heights and the Galilee Mountains. 
that they don't have a lot of buildings covering it. So it still seems uh, a land very accurate, let's say, to what Jesus saw when he was standing there. Yeah. So just looking there, looking at the view, it will connect. Like I stand there and I say, yeah, Jesus probably saw what I'm seeing now. It's it's such a bliss. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish everybody can see it. Yeah. Yeah. What are your what are your play, favorite places to go to in the Holy Land? Like, what do you what do you like as a guide? What is your places that you're like? Oh, today's the day we're going here. Yeah. So I get I get excited pretty much everywhere. But my <laughs> that's true. My, I've seen it. Yeah. But my my main like the place for me would be the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's it's um it's very it's very personal for me. Yeah. As you know, like we start at the top of Mount of Olives and then we start walking down the Palm Sunday. And at the very top there's the Church of Pater Noster, our Father in Heaven. And mm-hmm. I explain about our Father in Heaven and um, you know, like also when we were together, Father Larry uh, explained about his book also about that. But but there is something I grew up my father would be telling me why do you worry like i remember during school i have an exam i have something challenging going in my life and i i grew up hearing my father telling me you should not worry i say like what he said do you pray our father i say yes i pray our father do you concentrate in the words so it's not like say it and then i got to the part where may your will be done so he said, stop. What did you just say? Hmm. Whose will? So I said, God's will. And he said, then if God's will, and you truly believe in it, that means you gave your your life to God. Do you think it's going to be good? I say, like, of course he's God. And he said, then why do you worry? Hmm. If, if you give him his life, why why are you worrying? Then it became my my thing in life. Like, it became my... Um, source of power but more to that you know like in everyday life we have our own challenges and I was really challenged in that may your will be done because um, one of the uh, stories actually it really affected me and affected my whole way of thinking about the God of Gethsemane was when my uncle was uh, was sick Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I have a lot of groups, almost back to back. I have these few days where I can go back home. When I went that day home, I heard about my uncle being sick, in like cancer, and it's very late now. He's, uh, they said he have like a month maybe to live. Um, I saw his family, I saw his daughters, and uh, they were very sad, of course, and I was sad. I was like, he was good, like why why this is happening? So I prayed to God. I prayed a lot. And um, I told him, I don't see your signs. I told him, uh, sometimes I'm stupid. You give me a sign, I will not look at it. <laughs> so I want you to, be, to give me a big sign that I will not just look at it and continue. And then I started the other group. And I saw uh, when we got to the Sea of Galilee, uh, I, I wanted to go to my room. I looked left, and then I see double rainbow on the Sea of Galilee. Mm. So beautiful. Never seen it in my life, and I didn't see it yet again. 
Mm-hmm. So I thought this is this is the sign that God is showing me. That means my prayer was answered and my uncle would be okay. So I was happy, just, you know, warm heart, happiness filling you. I continued my uh, group. I finished nine days, go back home. And then my uncle died. Like I was so confused. I was, why did you do this? Why did you give me this? this message, this sign. It should be a good sign. It's a rainbow. The Ark of Noah. Peace. But yet he died. So what was the point? Like, weren't you listening to my prayers or what? Mm. You know, like I have these questions that were doubts, even we can say doubts. Um, I started uh, again, like I was there f- during the funeral a day after, and then I had to have another group. It was high season for us. And during that group, I still have these questions in my mind until I got to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then I start explaining about Christ's prayer, about the peak of the incarnation of Jesus. And then, um, you know, it's, it's the, the struggle of Jesus of having to wear our sins, which is a very dirty dress he have to wear. Yeah. And um, it's it's like you have you have the picture of your father on his shirt, mm-hmm. but then I come and disturb it a lot, making it very ugly. And I tell you now, you go and meet your father. Mm-hmm. Will you do it? Because the sin is 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 um, is going against God's will. And Jesus, which is one with God, he have to wear our sins. That is denying God. And his will and he have to stand in front of the father when he is one with the father like it's it's so much pressure and he got to the deep great depression that he felt and his sweat became like blood and then he he had his own prayer can you please pass this cup he's, he's saying basically like i cannot take it any longer hmm. like i want you to just pass this cup i cannot do it but Jesus then ended his prayer with with the sentence that really hit me. It was, it's your will, not mine. And then we know God's will was for Jesus to take the cross and die for us. But then what happened is the first thing, the first challenge would be when the servants would come of Caiaphas and then uh, one of the disciples would cut the ear of the servant and Jesus corrected it. Because that going with force, trying to defend Christ, it's saying that Jesus is not going according to the Father's will. Mm. So Jesus said, no, this is against God's will. He corrected it at that same instant. He healed the ear. And then he was very powerful standing. And I, I was thinking like, okay, here God did not do what Jesus prayed for. I, I start thinking and I had tears in my eyes and I was explaining, I was telling them, you know, I'm not better than Jesus. Why should I be arrogant and say like, you do not exist, you're not listening to me or or you can go as far as you stop believing in God because mm-hmm. you prayed and he did not answer. But you know, it's not about that prayer. It's about It's about the will of God, like doing the will of God. So maybe start thinking, Actually, it wasn't that he's not answering. It's more that I didn't 
end my prayer properly. I should say, I should give everything I want to say and should say it and tell him about my sorrows, my anger, but then I should end it. It's your will. Then there would be wisdom. Instead of having questions of doubts, then you start thinking, yes, God heard my prayer, but for some reason, he chose the other option. Why? And you start saying why and not if or having doubt questions. You start thinking about the message that he's trying to give you. And it's, it's a big wisdom, actually. And standing in the garden and thinking about Jesus there, I said, like, yeah, we are not better than Jesus. And, and here God told us that this is my son, but I have my will. So be strong. So it's, it's my backbone in life. Yeah. The God of Gethsemane. Yeah, it's, that's a, I mean, that's a powerful story. And you're right. Like, I've never thought about it. Like the way you said that he took the ear, obviously that was Peter. And it's almost is the way you explain that. It's almost like Jesus again saying, get behind me. Like, you know, because Mm -hmm. he does that right there at, uh, in Caesarea Philippi when, when he says, you are the rock, all these things. He says, oh, you don't have to die and get behind me, Peter. It's, it's funny that you are get behind me. Satan is basically what he said, but yeah, it's a great point. And, And it, Gethsemane too, like, I remember standing outside because when you're there, you're in the Church of All Nations. So that's over where Jesus would have been on the rock, the rocks right there below the altar. But I enjoyed being outside where some of the olive trees and things still are and just sort of looking out at the city, the old city, and seeing like what Jesus would have seen as he was there praying. You know, uh, I like to read John 17 when I give talks. So I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus because it's this priestly prayer. Yeah. And many people have not ever read that all the way through because so many people read the scriptures in the Magnificat. So if I read it Tuesday, I get this much. But if I don't read it Wednesday, then I miss some. And so you don't always get the whole prayer. And in that prayer, Jesus is praying for the apostles. He's praying for uh, us. He says the ones that will come to know me through them. And it's super powerful because so many times we think, like, God doesn't understand me. God doesn't get me. God doesn't understand what I'm going through. And it's like, I don't think that we understand what he went through, <laughs> right? And so sitting there, as you're looking out over the old city, and, and you know, you could see where Caiaphas' house was yes. and where everywhere he was going to be taken that night, and that Jesus was looking at that as he was praying those things. And you can also see why he would be fearful as he saw people coming out of the city with torches and coming for him, like knowing that. and. That's what's so beautiful about the Holy Land. Like, it's what you're talking about. If you haven't been there, like, you kind of go, man, this is sad, and I don't like to read this because it makes me sad. But when you're actually standing there, the, the gravity of what he went through becomes so much more, becomes so much more human, too. Because you sit there and you look out and you go, man, if I knew all these people were coming, I, my inclination would be to run. Yeah, because right, you, to, you will see them. You'll see the Kidron Valley. Yeah. You'll see them when they are about a mile away coming for you yeah, yeah. with swords yeah. and fl- torches and all because they yeah. came at night and the human part of me would be like I'm, I want to run I want to run I'm going to go the other way but he sat there in that agony and all those things and you don't really get that until you're standing there in the place looking out and it starts to click and I mean I love what you said earlier about the young man like yeah you may not have money now but do what it takes 
Like, do what it takes. Because I know as a young man in the United States, I wasn't thinking, like, I'm going to save my money and go to the Holy Land. I'm like, I'm going to buy beer or I'm going to get what, you know. But that's the mindset we should have is that there's this tremendous place in the other part of the world where everything that mattered happened. And, and to really fully come into that knowledge and for it to transform your life, you have to go and you visit. And I'm not trying to do an infomercial and everybody sign up for the trip after this. I'm not doing that. But what I am saying is there's just something that comes alive in you there that, that never will just hear in the way that in the capacity it has to do there. Yeah, I see it in a lot of pilgrims' experiences. Everybody will, exp will ex experience in different sides things yeah. that would matter to them. Like, I don't know all of the, the individual stories, but I can see their faces. Yeah. I can see their tears. And some would get emotional. Uh, like there was uh, another story uh, in Jacob's will when Jesus met the Samaritan woman. And she came at noon because she was uh, ashamed to go in the morning because usually they go in the morning to mm -hmm. bring the water to their houses. And all the other women would have been there. Yeah. And, yeah. and then she, she was hiding the shame. Mm -hmm. She was sinful. She knew Jesus. She became a believer. And then she started to be preacher that same day. Like, Jesus can change your life in an instant so easily. Um, but then the thing that really hit me, I was explaining. And then there was that young lady, and she started to cry a lot. Because I, I was explaining about the Samaritan woman, is about her wounds would become her testimony. As... Um, yeah, we, we know that she was sinful, but when she went and preached, she told all her sins to the people that this man that I met on the well, he knew it all. Yeah. Like she used to hide this because she was ashamed. She was coming at noon because she was afraid that they might know um, her sins or shameful things that she had done. So, but then when she was preaching, she was literally... You see these scars on my body? Yeah, I got this from one, two, three, four, five, but I was healed, and this man healed me. And now I look at those scars not as symbols of shame, but as, as power. Yeah, it's right. I was there in that bad, in that bad place, but today I'm here, mm -hmm. and I was saved. And yeah. I can tell you very powerfully that I was there because I made it here. Yeah. So so she she was just crying and and then she talked to me and told me her story and that that was uh, the most powerful moment for her. Um, and there are a lot of these experiences that I can see every time every time in the Holy Land. Yeah. Yeah. And and that make me uh, feel um, some sense of achievement that I fulfilled my purpose. And I'll be happy yeah. because, like, I did what God wanted me to do. I connected the pilgrims with the place. So I felt that, yeah, I, I fulfilled my purpose here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another thing that I really enjoy about you is, like, you get that it's about Jesus. Because, like, you literally are doing what all of us are supposed to be doing, like, for your way of life. Like, you're 
you're bringing people to Jesus. You're introducing people to Jesus. A lot of times, like in in the world I'm in, with you know Catholic speaking and all that stuff, it can very easily become if you're not careful about you. You know, it can be, I'm great. I'm doing all these talks. These people appreciate me, and you know, and and there's a danger in that. I'm sure there can be that way for a guide too, but you actually are being called to introduce people through these subtle ways and these things where they really come to know Jesus. And as you talk about that woman, I mean, that resonates in my own story. You know, I, I get up and I share all the time about, I did it with you in the mm-hmm. house the other night. Yes. You had no idea all that stuff went on yeah. in my life. <laughs> and it's it's like, well, people will say, well, how can you how can you share that, you know? And it's like, because I'm not that person anymore. I met someone who changed that. And and so, yes, it's I'm not proud of those things, but that's not who I am anymore, and it gives me the freedom to share it. As you were talking, I was thinking about what the woman says. She goes, I met a man who told me everything about me about my life and he didn't run from me and that's what you're doing in the holy land is just introducing people again and again and i almost felt like when we were over there going through the whole trip like it was almost like okay see where jesus loves you here see how much jesus loves you here and it just becomes more and more apparent as he's walking towards jerusalem because the way you did the tour you know sometimes i've heard tours start like in jerusalem and go backwards or they do but you did it basically in the in the way that Jesus lived. You know where we started was um, was there in, in Nazareth, and then worked our way or in Galilee. But we worked our way around different places. But I don't know. I just felt like everywhere we were going, we were we were following in this this place of of coming to know Jesus deeper in each place, and it's it's really a gift. And you know, um, it's it's kudos to Select for setting that up with you the way that they do, and the wonderful company they are too. Um, I guess that's another question I want to ask you. So obviously you're a good guide. I'm sure that you're in demand over there. I mean, I'm not trying to make your head get, you know, get huge, but like you're a good guide. I'm sure there's other companies over there that are looking for like, hey, could we get Hani to come over here? Or could we get why did you why did you choose Select? Like what was it about them that you really just said, Okay, I want to work with them? Because I know there's freelance guides that like work a little bit for everybody. Yeah, yeah we can do it uh, to work with a lot of companies if yeah. you want to. Um, the thing about Select is uh, that I love their ideals. I love how they build the tours, but mainly about being Christian in it. Like you can do it as a business, you can do it as a ministry. Mm-hmm. So ministry is far better than just a business. Yeah, You know, like all, all would like to have money, but when the money become the main thing, I don't like it. Yeah, It's ministry first, God first, and God will provide. This is how I believe. This is how uh, Select would also like is believing and and more to things is there is something about money that it's enchanting. Mm-hmm. Like people get can really get lost with money, especially if it's a business that will have a lot of money. Then you should learn to heal it. And I think healing it is just to show yourself that this money was granted for a reason. God granted this money for you for a reason and you have to help with it. It's not only for you, it's also for the others. So God blessed you with this, but also you have to bless others with it. So once you do it, you show yourself that money, yes, money can come and go, but I brought smiles on people's faces. I eased their lives in so many uh, fields of life. 
And this is what Select does through the charity of Select to Give. And mm-hmm. I, I truly love that about them. So just to clarify that a little bit, Select International is the tour agency, yes. but they're the only one that has a 501c3 nonprofit right. that takes money from everything they earn, you know, yes. trips to Greece or Italy or wherever. They take money from all those trips, a little portion, and they fill it. They, they funnel it into the nonprofit to be able to help Christians in the Holy Yes, land. correct. And yeah. also, like, you can make donation on the site. Mm-hmm. If you are not able to go on a pilgrimage, but still you want to help the Christians there, so you can go to the site selecttogive.org and, and you can make a donation there. Yeah, and they help with children's education and health yeah. and all those kind of uh, things too. Yeah, uh, educational adoption, um, people with Down syndrome, um, helping, like there is also charity in Bethlehem to make women know how to use their skills. For example, uh, um, if they were uh, tailors, they can start helping the family by finding them work and finding them jobs so that they will work they have yeah. more income and it so like it's it's a lot of things that can be done with uh, a little from each one mm-hmm. like for me like maybe if i give five dollars i will not feel that i gave a lot but five and five and five and five and five it adds up it will yeah. really help yeah yeah it adds up yeah it's it's uh, i loved going to the um to the um, dinner with the the people in Bethlehem sharing there, the they're sharing the bread yes. and and enjoying that. You know, it's it's kind of a weird thing to get in a car with people you don't know in another country and just go somewhere. But like, you get over that initial like stupid fear we have because we live in the United States and all that stuff. You know, but like getting getting over there and getting in the car and going and spending time with people that live in a very different situation than you do over here that that struggle to live and struggle to find a way to make a living and and yet still are so um faithful and and really just that was a beautiful thing like i i don't think the trip would have been the same if we hadn't been able to do that like to go and spend time with people from there and go into their homes and see where they lived and eat with them and enjoy their food and and hear their family stories it was just really it's one of my favorite parts of the trip and i know that not everybody does that but i know select does and it's something that that we enjoyed, and I'm looking forward to doing the next time we go over there. We, Angel and I, still, I mean, on Facebook, we're in, we're connected with the family that we we had dinner with over there, and it's some of the memories that I hold the most dear in the trip to the Holy Land. You know, a few months back was just that time we got to spend with them and and just hear what life is really like over there. You know, I mean, we could talk about that some. Everybody in the world knows that there's war going on and everything over there, and I don't want to get into politics and all that stuff on here. That's not what this is about, right? This is about just talking about the beauty of the Holy Land, the need of why people need to go there. and But the fact is, regardless war or not, there's always struggle for Christians over there, whether there's a war going on or not. You know, they're, they're a small population in, in the Holy Land, period. Um, that's another reason we need to help. Like you said, whether or not it's going on a trip or it's just giving some money here and there, Christians need to be in the Holy Land. Right, and if we don't find ways to help, then it may not be that way. I mean, you were talking earlier about some of your friends moving other places because it's it's easier to find a way of life some other places, and so that's one reason I just want to ask people on here if you're looking for something to give to this year um, that's really impactful, you can give to select to give because that'll help keep Christians there educated, employed, taken care of, 
And and Christians can remain to be part of the holiest place on earth. And that's I know that's something that's near and dear to your heart too. Yeah, I think Christians there are the uh, living stones. Like a lot would come and just visit the places, but the Christians who are still there, they are the living stones. And like I live there, I know what it is, how it is like. Um, but I'm in Nazareth, I'm in the north, and they mm-hmm. are living in Bethlehem. Um, and there is just less opportunities of work in Bethlehem. And people, <laughs> sometimes, you know, like you said, like you are connecting with the family that mm-hmm. uh, you were in their houses. Like There is a friendship, new friendship that was formed with a Bethlehemite, mm-hmm. uh, which is very neat to have a Bethlehemite friend. But sending them a message that will help them like, okay, yeah, they care for me. Mm-hmm. So it will just give them power to stay because we are a bit stubborn there. We, <laughs> we, we don't want to leave the Holy Land with no Christians in it. Yeah, We have very powerful backbone that is Jesus Christ. Uh, so we have this, you can say pride or even dignity that, yeah, I, I don't like to see the Holy Land with no Christians in it. Yeah. So this is what really keeps us there. Yeah. Yeah. It's well hopefully it all opens up again soon. Hopefully the this war and everything comes to an end so that we can start coming back over there. People from all over and I know that helps the economy. It keeps people within work there because that's the thing. Like, you know, it's not just tour guides. People work in hotels, you know, Christian hotels in Bethlehem and things like that to support themselves. Um, so anytime we go over there, you're not just that's that's what you need to look at is like okay I'm I'm not just checking off a bucket list to go over there and and say I went to the Holy Land like when I go over there I spend money when I when I spend time there when I buy things when I it all goes to help you know in that situation over there and and so I'm excited to go again we're gonna go in May of next year you and I and Father Larry again you're brave it's to go with him awesome. you're brave to go with him again he gave yeah. you a hard time last year but. <laughs> I'm excited. We uh, I connected with him a few months ago and said, "Hey, let's go again." And so I believe we're going May the twelfth to the twenty fourth. Yes. Yeah, and so you'll be our guide. Yeah. And that's good. Well, then we'll probably have another one too. But um, you'll be the main guide, and I, I'm so looking forward to it. We actually have one of our supporters in the studio right now. Um, I won't mention her name because she'll get a big head. But. Um, <laughs> But she's in the in the corner of the room here listening. She's in town, came in town to see uh, Hani give his talk this morning. He spoke at a, a local parish and just shared, you know, a beautiful presentation about the history of the Holy Land and connecting the Old Testament, the New Testament, and Nazareth and everywhere where he's from. And uh, Elizabeth also went with us in, in June. I said her name. I won't say her last name. I won't get her big head. But um, she went with us to the Holy Land, and, and it's a great it's great to have her here too. She's going to go with us the next time. So for those of you out there, like I've been once and that's it, I can't wait to go again because it's like anything else. You know, you get over there and we all, you know, because of these stupid things, we, we, we're sitting there every second clicking things and we forget to actually stand there and look in a lot of the places. So I'm excited to go back and revisit these things. And as our buddy Hector Molina would say, glean, glean some more information from our wonderful guides and, and draw closer. You know, I, I, that's the thing I feel like with you, you really spoke to me those first couple of days. I was nervous. I've never you know led a pilgrimage before and I'm not Scott Hahn or Jeff Cavins that can, you know, recite a, a piece of scripture in my sleep, you know? Um, so I was like, what do I have to contribute? And you said something to me that was really powerful. 
Uh, you know, you you just walked by me one day and you said, you know, you you're a natural for this. You have a gift for this. And later on, we talked and uh, and you explained that a little bit. You said, you know, so many people can come over here and they can teach and they can have courses and classes and all that stuff, but we want to reach the heart. And so, what I really enjoyed about it was, as well as the sights and all those things, the bus rides with with each other laughing and playing Catholic trivia games and saying rosaries together and getting to know these people from New York and these people from North Carolina and just all those people. And then just trying to bring Jesus, make it real for people, you know, like, yeah, you're standing in this building, but what is Jesus saying here? One of my favorite places was you came up to me. It was, um, it was in the old city. It was, uh, at the healing pools there. I but never said was say that say Saint Anne. Yeah, Saint Anne. Right out yeah. we had just had mass, Father Larry did his homily and and you said you should talk outside. You should speak outside. And I was like, Where? And you said by the pools. And Father Larry was like, Don't let him talk. He's already talked three times a day. We don't want to hear that, you know, he's being him. But we went over there and, and it's 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 really, I guess, a great example of what we're talking about because you can be there and looking down on those pools, you're way up and you can go down into them, but it's basically a bunch of grass covered old rock, right? So it's not like you're going, ooh, this is where this pool would have been. It's it's really kind of hard to see without a God explaining things to you. It just looks like an old ruin with grass in it. But like what happened there is so powerful. Like it wasn't the waters that healed the man, it was his faith right there because the angels would come and turn the water. And everybody thought, well, if I get down there, then I'll be healed. But when Jesus came there, he said, do you want to be healed? And in that spot, it's really one of those places where you can invite the pilgrims to say, like, look, this is 2,000 years ago, Jesus saying this to this man, but he's saying it to you today. Now, 2,000 years later, like all of us have something that's broken in us. All of us have something that God wants that we're not giving him. We're all wounded. We've had bad things happen to us. And as we were sitting in that pool, I just felt called to be like, Look, I think it's cool that Jesus didn't say, hey, Josephat, or hey, you know, whatever his name might have been, do you want to be healed? Because then we would have read that as like a personal message to that guy. Like Jesus just spoke to him. Mm-hmm. But just saying, do you want to be healed is an invitation That's to all of everyone, us. Yeah. And to sit there, it's just a place where the go- where the gospel becomes life, right? It's not just written in a book and stones and stuff. It's, it's like Jesus... 2,000 years now is inviting each and every one of us every day in our own hearts, in our own interactions, in those moments like the pilgrim that came up and helped you with your leg. Like Jesus is always asking, do you want more of me in your life? Do you want healing? Do you want the life you've been looking for? Then just believe more. Believe. Give me more of yourself. And that was a really a place, like when I think about the Holy Land, that's one of the things that really hit me was not to talk about myself and what the, that was the Holy Spirit that gave me that what to say there, but just that connection to what it really is. If, if you go with that right mindset and you have a wonderful God like you that's, that's trying to nurture you, like, yes, I could tell you that this rock is made of this and this and it's been here 3,000 years, but let me tell you what happened around this rock. That's the power of it. And that's why I enjoy going with you. That's why I'm looking forward to going with everybody and even Elizabeth next year uh, when, when she comes with us. Um, I'm just excited to return. So for people who've, I mean, final thoughts here about the Holy Land. I want to give you this last few minutes to just talk about anything on your heart about the Holy Land, why people should go, anything you might haven't shared that you wanted to. I'm just going to give it to you and let you rip. Yeah, so, uh, you know, people can read about these things 
you can uh, about the stones we talked about the stones the ruins yeah. archaeology the places yeah with some grass on it you can google it yeah yeah but will you have the experience of googling those sites when you are standing there and listening to the scripture there uh, so it's completely different you are not at your house you are at the site itself I, I love that place there is uh, underground um, after the second session of the cross there is what we call the Echihomo uh, the sisters of Zion there you go down you go to the little strotos the Gabatha uh, and there you will see carvings of Roman games they used to carve on the stone and they, they were playing these games one of them was called the king's game that is made to honor the god uh, uh, Mars, but it's it's actually what they were doing is a game that was played with the prisoners as they were be taking the prisoner, making him the king of the day, and he is free to do what he wants, and, but at the end of that day he have to die, but then they will play the game. like he will, They will give him a little bit of freedom, and they will make him the king of the day, and by playing the game they will strip him of the pieces of being a king. And the soldiers that would win that game would be the one who would kill or crucify that person. Mm. So this is really hit me because that would be in the Antonio Fortress courtyard. And this is where Jesus would take the first cross, like would take the cross from there. He would be last probably. Um, but then they were playing game. Like when they put the purple on him, when they were mocking him to be the king, probably they were they were playing the game. Like y you just realize this when you are standing there and, and wow. looking at the carvings of the Roman games that were there uh, during like Christ because they have the legion symbol the scorpion legion mm -hmm. and it was stationed in Jerusalem during that time so it's it's very high probability that it did happen there you'll be stepping on those stones like if, if you don't know the connection you can read it on the book but you will not be stepping on them yeah so it's 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 um it's overwhelming in a lot of ways yeah. to be there, to walk there, to hear the noises of the market. As simple as that. You're walking the Via del Rosa. Well, you know, the old Jerusalem was also a marketplace. Mm -hmm. So Jesus would be carrying the cross walking. But all the noises that you hear around, they were there. Um, uh, walking the hills, you know, uphill. Jesus would have walked uphill. Uh, today there are steps which is more comfy but back then there would be some time dirt parts sometime it would be Roman street um, so all these experiences just build up and yeah I'll just say that you it's impossible to come to the Holy Land and you go back the same person yeah. like it's it's really impossible um, and the Holy Land is very complicated uh, like people can come by themselves but without someone to guide them through, especially like the history and all the culture, the archaeology, it would be hard to navigate. Like even with a guide, you sometimes find it overwhelming because it's so much information. In eight, nine, ten days. Um, so I, I also encourage people to come again because the first time it would be a lot of knowledge, a lot of information, overwhelming. The second experience would be would be more contemplation mm -hmm. so it's like you come back to your home again yeah yeah that's what i feel like i feel like i have another home 
You know, like I can't wait to go back. I think about it all the time. There's not a single day that I don't wake up and I don't think about something in the Holy Land. Like, in in even the Rosary, I've never been the greatest Rosary prayer in the world, and I'm sure people are going to get mad at me for saying that on here. But like, I never have been the greatest. I'm not going to lie. I've never been the greatest Rosary prayer, but I pray a lot more often now than I did because. When I like, I always had trouble focusing on the on the mysteries because my mind's just ADD, just kind of everywhere, distracted. But now when I pray it, like the mysteries, I've been to those places, and so when I when I think about them, I can see what it looks like to be at the visitation, right? I could see what it looked like, uh, it you know, all of those places. And what to walk up to the yeah visitation. yeah the walk up <laughs> yeah, it's much easier on the way down, you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just you've been to these places and. And I feel almost like Mary, you know, where it says Mary kept these things in her heart, you know, and yeah. and that's the way I felt leaving the Holy Land is like not only the sites and the you know the places and being able to see where you prayed the Rosary, but just the interactions with people, um, Father Iman, you know, and and people like that at Magdala and just the people we ran into, the bus drivers, man. I just had a great time, you know. Um, uh, Maddie, yeah, yeah. He came up to me at the last dinner, and I didn't even think about this, but I had thanked Angela, I guess, first before anybody else, and and he came up to me and he said, you know, I've never, I've never seen somebody thank their wife first, and I was like, okay, I did something good then, thank you. You know, <laughs> he and the other driver had the matching jackets on, yeah, and yeah, I, right. I enjoyed being with them, but it was it was hard to leave because it was like, man, we're leaving our family, like you and and the bus drivers and Ibrahim and. You know, and it, but my heart was just sort of like, I'll be back. You know, I'll be back, and and I look forward to that. I hope we have many more trips over there, and so don't go anywhere. Right? It's a start. Yeah, it's a start. Yes. The start of a journey, right? Yeah. So Love I'm ho- I'm hoping every couple of years we can come back and and yeah. uh, and and enjoy it together. So, man, honey, it's been a privilege to have you here. Um, and more importantly than that, it's just a privilege to call you a friend, man. I really, I really mean that. Uh, I just. I'm so glad the Lord keeps us uh, yeah. keeps us connected through all the WhatsApps and all that stuff happen. Uh, just pray for you all the time, man. So please pray for me and looking Always. forward to going and showing you the rest of Memphis today. And and uh, hopefully it's hopefully it snows like it's supposed to, and then we'll get uh, you'll get stuck <laughs> here a couple days. So, but thank you for taking the time, folks. If you want to support uh, the Christians of the Holy Land, the way you can do that is go to selecttogive.org. You can Google that. You can see everything they do there. There's all the documentation. You can follow your money, receipts, all those things. So you know it's 100% legit. They don't have to do that. They could take all the money, you know, um, from the trips and stuff and just put it to profit. But Adida and all the team there, they really want to help people in the Holy Land. They've got a good heart. So you can help there with the Christians at selecttogive.org. If you do want to go with two awesome people, uh, Father Larry and Hani, then you can go <laughs> May, uh, <laughs> May the 12th through the 24th. We'll all be going together. Yeah. Father Larry will be the spiritual director, so that means he'll be giving all the masses. Um, he uses his homily times to give his thoughts on the places we are. Um, he will give some talks. At, I think he spoke at the Primacy of Peter and also um, at Pater Nostra. So he gave some talks there. And then, you know, I speak when uh, the Lord moves me to. Um, but if you want to go and have a great time, you want to go next year, pray with us. The Holy Land is back open and that everything this war, for more reasons than just travel, is over for the people and their, their safety and their lives over there. But if you're interested in going, we'd love to have you go with us. You can go to the website, just a guy on the pew.com. At the bottom of the page, 
There is a place where you can put your email in and subscribe. You'll get all the notifications. So when the trip comes out, when we put it out there, you'll be notified and you can join us because we certainly would love to have you with us. So, Hani, thank you for your time, man. I love you like a brother. Man, uh, I'm just excited to spend the rest of the time. My told brother. That's right. That's right. You got the looks. I got the height. There we go. But uh, thanks, folks, for listening. Go and check out selectinternational.com for all their trips. And we hope to see you in the Holy Land next year. God bless. God bless.